You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Vore, and I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined, as always, by the other host, my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing this week? Hey, Robert. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. A little yeah. bit of a sore throat, but that's okay. It's also the the flip side of that is it's an excuse to buy some ice cream and, and Ooh. you know, eat that, so. Ooh, that's good. What's, yeah. your, what's your favorite flavor? Mm, I think like strawberry cheesecake type things. Ooh. Yeah. Good. I tend to like kind of like fruit flavored sweets more so than like chocolate ones. Uh-huh. Chocolate, I like I like most of the time, but just like, I don't know, in smaller chunks. It has to be part of something else. So uh-huh. uh, but I think, you know, strawberry cheesecake or things like that is usually kind of my, my go-to uh, ice cream. What about you? That's awesome. I love that. Hmm. I like – so I – well, usually I just like to do the whole Sunday like with the kids. Like we get all the things and throw everything in like mm, the yeah, just like and dump whipped sprinkles cream and, and the sprinkles and all of it. Yeah, that's my favorite. But like if we're at the grocery store, some good old Ben and Jerry's fish food is my favorite mm, of yeah. all time. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you like the activity kind of of creating the Sunday more so. Than I the- think so. Yeah. My kids and I, we have a lot of fun with that. So that's yeah. always fun. So yeah. yeah. Nice. But I'm sorry to hear you're not feeling well. Well, that's all right. Hopefully by the time the episode comes out, I'm, you know, right as rain. That's which right. Which is a weird, a weird <laughs> saying. I don't know. I don't think I've ever said that before in my life, but there you go. That's awesome. Oh, I love yeah. it. That's yeah. good. Let me ask you this. I'm going to try to do a segue and we're going to see if it works. Oh, man. Coming off Uh-oh. of what you were just talking about with your kids, let me ask you this. Do you sure. enjoy having people over, like hosting people in your home, given that you have young kids and that can sometimes mm. you know, make it a little more chaotic? Mm-hmm. Do you like doing things like that? Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. In light of our upcoming chat today, this is um, my best, uh, my best segue work. That that's I can think awesome. Of. I love it. Um, so I do, I do love to have people over. I love hosting folks and just finding ways to connect and gather folks. I'm not a good cook. Um, my husband is the cook in our family, and I'm not really the most like tidy person. I'm not the person who has the like magazine looking home and and I'm (laughs) totally okay with that. But I have had to learn over the years that I would rather have people come over and our house not look perfect than lose that time with my loved ones or, you know, with the, with our friends. Um, and especially because a lot of our friends, you know, have kids too. And so our house you know, even if I were to clean it all day, it'd be upside down by the time they left anyway. So, right, right. Um, so anyways, that's, yeah, that's, that's for us. What about y'all? Yeah, we do. We love having people over kind of a similar thing. I mean, I think we try to keep things close enough, but part of that's also just our personality. Like if there's a lot of things all over the place, then on days when I'm working from home or things like that, mm-hmm. like it's just harder to focus or relax. And so we try to keep things somewhat close to 
organized-ish or like, you know, there's a couple of rooms that we could close off if we need to. Right. Uh, And so we try to tidy up some before people come over. But I think obviously we are newer to like the having kids game than you are. And so that probably as it goes, I know as kids grow, then so does kind of their- Their uh, mess. Their mess. uh, (laughs) Yes. And so, you know, Gray's toys are- somewhat easily contained right now but as he grows they're definitely kind of more all over the place and so Mm. I'm sure that that becomes harder and harder yeah yeah but we 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 definitely try to have people over I mean like we love hosting things and actually what you described is ties right in with kind of one of the first chunks of this book that we're going to talk about with Leslie Verner yeah well, do you want – I mean, do you, before we dive in, though, to the book, do you want to talk a little bit about – I know you and I have talked about this briefly before, but why hospitality is so important to your family. And do you want yeah. to do, tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, definitely. And we we talked about this with Leslie after the episode ended. Yeah, that's um, right. So we need to share with her. But So what's really interesting about this book and kind of the, the whole thing, right, is I saw – maybe a year ago or whenever it was a long time ago, I saw this book pop up. Somebody had like retweeted the pre-order link to it or something. And I thought, oh, this looks like something our family would really like. And so I, I sent the link to Brooke uh, and we didn't really do anything with it. And then months later, I got an email from friend of the show, Andy Kolber, mm-hmm. who said, hey, my friend Leslie has this book coming out. You should really connect with her. And so then we we did, but it was so cool to see it come back around. Yeah. But the reason the first time I saw it that I had sent it to Brooke like almost immediately is we, so longtime listeners of the show will know that we work in campus ministry. I mean, I don't technically work in campus ministry now, but we did like out of college and then we did internationally and then now Brooke still does. And a lot of those fall into kind of this type of ministry that we we tend to refer to as hospitality ministry. Mm-hmm. So like the, the one that she runs now functions as a free coffee house for college students where they mm-hmm. can come and get free coffee and snacks and, you know, there's heat and Wi-Fi and all that and games if you want to play or places to study. Uh, and then also they host events where they share stories from their life about faith and things like that. Mm-hmm. But so... Even the there's like kind of a little like mission statement or whatever painted on the wall of one of one of these one of the branches of this ministry that she works for now. Mm-hmm. And the phrase that I really love out of that whole chunk, it says, when words are cheap, our sermon is hospitality. Mm. Right. And like we love that so much that I got it painted. I had a friend of ours paint it on like a custom thing and gave it to Brooke the Christmas after we bought our house. Oh, because I love when, we, that. when we bought our house, the first thing that we did, we like got the keys, you know, and all that, and then drove over. And then we like sat on the floor in the middle of it and we prayed that God would use it as a place for hospitality for people to come and stay and mm. things like that. And like the apartment that we had before this was this tiny, tiny one bedroom apartment. Yeah. And I think at one point we had calculated that we had like 20 something separate people stay there in oh my gosh. Like various groups of like two or three or one or whatever. Wow. And so even though that was like very inconvenient, as you would imagine for us, and probably also for them sleeping on a couch or whatever, mm. we like valued that time and saying like, hey, if anybody's coming through Atlanta, we we have a place for you to stay. We want you to you know know that there's a place where you can feel at home and, and things like that. And it mm-hmm. gets into a lot of what Leslie's talking about with this book. So, you know, obviously we can transition into yeah, that. Yeah, sure. I just, I do think there's something about a place where you can walk in and feel at home and feel safe and feel loved, even if that's not like you couldn't put words to that. But yeah. we all have those places where you can walk in and say like, 
this feels like I can I can take my coat off here, you know, yeah. uh, in like a psychological sense or whatever. Yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, that was like a big long spiel in response to your question. No, I love it. I mean, that's exactly. I know we had talked about it very briefly after recording this episode, and I just wanted, yeah, to create space for you to to share it with our listeners too. So thank you for doing oh. that. And I think you're right. Oh. I think we, you know, I, I, and I would say I, I would hope that we all would all have a space like this to be able to take, you know, our coat off and rest and to be able to just fully be present. I recognize it in some ways that's not always the case, but, but hopefully we each have that. And for when we, when we do have that space, how can we use that space to be able to extend it to others to be able to rest and be present and and yeah. to be able to just to feel at home so yeah, yeah. well do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about this week's episode yeah so as kind of we were alluding to there we got the chance to talk with leslie verner who is an author and a, a writer and and we get we give her whole her whole bio in this mm-hmm. episode so i won't do it necessarily now but Part of, or mostly what we talk about, is conversation around her new book, which is called Invited, The Power of Hospitality in an Age of Loneliness. And so we touch on, obviously, some things about hospitality and what that looks like and kind of the theological unpacking of that term, which one of the cool things about this is it's a broader term than maybe what we think of as mm-hmm. like having people over. Mm-hmm. But also some about, you know, this idea of the age of loneliness and and our current culture and society and things like that. Um, and so we get into some of that and why this is such a maybe a, a radical idea in this moment in time. Yeah. And I think she does a really great job with it. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I loved this conversation with Leslie and just I just love the ways that she really brings herself to this conversation and to this book and this story and just this emphasis of hospitality. So um, yeah. I think that there's a lot of things too that we were able to walk away from this conversation just in thinking about, you know, how do we how do we create spaces like this more intentionally for others too? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that too. Well, let's go ahead and get into it so people can hear from Leslie herself instead of us just talking about it. But uh, I think it's a great interview. I'm excited for people to hear it. And I'm grateful to Leslie for coming on. Absolutely. All right. Enjoy, y'all. Hey, today we are so excited to be joined by Leslie Verner. Leslie writes about faith, justice, family, and cross-cultural issues for places like She Loves, Relevant, The Mudroom, and more. She has a master's degree in intercultural studies and lived in China for five years and currently lives in Colorado with her husband and three children. And she is the author of the book that we're going to talk a lot about today, Invited, The Power of Hospitality in an Age of Loneliness. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Robert. Yeah, of course. Are there any other, you know, fun facts or anything that you want our audience to know about you before we get into it? Oh, gosh. Fun facts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> didn't warn me about that. Um, I don't think so. I'm a runner. Um, well, okay. I run. I'm not a runner. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I don't do serious races or anything, but... Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's important to me, and I I come up with a lot of like writing ideas. That's where actually where my blog name comes from, scraping reasons. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's when I'm out on runs, it just feels like my 
thoughts finally get kind of freed. Um, just like, I guess it's because I have kids. Maybe I was thinking about that metaphor at the time, but like a, um, like a raisins box that's tipped mm-hmm. over and you're scraping out the bottom. Like that's how it feels when I go on runs. Oh. Like I'm suddenly like able to think creatively and things like that. Ah, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's nice. something about me and um, yeah. And I love writing and yeah, my kids mm. are super tiny. So um, <laughs> well, they're bigger now. They're three, five and seven. So, but one is oh, yeah. in diapers. So I feel like I'm not in the clear yet. Yes. <laughs> We're, I'm, I'm right there with you. We have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and mm, yep, yep. I, I, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yep. Love That's that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I, I had wondered about your blog name and things like that. And I kind of assumed, I don't know, something kid related probably, but that makes sense. That's, mm. I like kind of the yeah. know, dual purpose there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And actually it didn't even occur to me that it was related to kids or motherhood or anything. You know, I, it was just, I was so in it when I started mm-hmm. my blog that it just was life, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, I mean, let's talk a little bit about this book and by a little bit, I mean, that's what we're going to talk kind of the whole time about. I don't yeah. know why I said it that way, but let me <laughs> ask you, uh, first kind of what led you to writing this book at all. I mean, obviously writing a book takes a lot of time and things. What led you to mm-hmm. this particular topic and feeling like, hey, this is something that I can write a whole book on? Um, yeah. So a lot of it came from uh, two different things, but one is from living in China. And I lived in China for five years and taught English and studied Chinese. And while I was there, uh, it was before I was married. So I you know, single, living alone, four out of the five years. And I just experienced so much hospitality um, in that culture. And I've also experienced that in other places I've traveled. I lived in Uganda for six months. And I just felt like a lot of cultures, it's just a very organic way of being to open your doors and welcome people in. Mm. And um, we moved uh, about four years ago from Chicago to Colorado. We had two kids at the time. And we just really struggled to find community uh, in Colorado. And so I think around the time I, you know, I was writing and blogging and um, kind of thinking through, like, if I were to write a book, what would I write about? And this just came to mind because I, I think of because we were in transition and struggling uh, with loneliness. And so I just kind of started asking myself the question, like, what would it look like if we in the in Western society were to start practicing hospitality in the way that I've seen it practiced in other cultures? And um, like, how would that transform our mm. communities and our neighborhoods? And, you know, I, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. So like, how would that, ex- how would that transform our churches mm. um, to start just more organically practice, start practicing hospitality in that way? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's where the book came from. Yeah. Awesome. When you are talking about hospitality, right? I think all of us probably have some kind of something that j- pops in our mind when we mm-hmm. talk about hospitality, but mm-hmm. it's probably a kind of a good starting place to say, how are you defining hospitality? I mean, like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's a great question. I've just started um, speaking to some groups, um, specifically to moms, like mops groups and things like that. And that's how I start my talk is by asking them what comes to mind when they hear the word hospitality. and um, you know, obviously there's a lot of the like opening your home and warmth and, you know, some of that, the things that I think people feel like they should say, 
But then if I dig a little deeper, I find out they say things like overwhelming and, you know, anxiety provoking and intimidating. And um, so, yeah, I think, you know, hospitality in writing this book, I really wanted to help redefine and reframe hospitality because for a lot of people, it just adds on like more burden and guilt. And, mm. um, you know, in, in, if you start reading the Bible, the word hospitality, it doesn't actually mean like inviting your friends and family over like in the New Testament. Um, the Greek word for hospitality means love of strangers. And mm. um, it's that like, I can't pronounce it right. I keep meaning to like consult a Greek expert, but <laughs> <laughs> you think I would have done that. I took Greek too, actually. I took a year and a mm. half of Greek. I should know, but I think it's something like phileo xenos. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, but that phileo that is, is love. And then the xenos is the same root for the word, you know, xenophobia, which is fear of strangers. And right. so mm. I just love that, you know, when you read in the Bible, like it's not talking about you know, entertaining your friends and family, it's talking about loving strangers. And I just feel like that really cracks open the definition of hospitality. Um, and then it, it also kind of counters this myth that like hospitality is a gift because um, I've taken a ton of spiritual gifts tests um, just kind of from being in the church a long time. And a lot of those gift tests list hospitality as a gift. And if you start reading in the Bible, like you find out it's never listed as a gift. It's, it's always just a command. Like this is what we're supposed to do. And, mm. um, and it even says like practice hospitality without grumbling. So it's mm. as if like the disciples are like, yeah, we know this is going to be hard. Like don't grumble about it. Cause we have to do it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which doesn't sound very compelling, but, um, but I think it, it just shows that like, it's not just reserved for the people that feel comfortable doing it unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, that definitely helps us in understanding, you know, quite a bit more about hospitality and, you know, what this term means and some of your heartbeat behind this. And, um, mm -hmm. but I, I'd love to hear a little bit more too about, you know, not only when you, when you talk about hospitality being important because of what the Bible is saying about it and, mm -hmm. and pulling out the, these verses, but, but also just generally, can you unpack yeah. a little bit about why hospitality is so important? Yeah, for sure. And um, I mean, I think that we've all experienced hospitality for people, you know, outside of the church, um, sometimes more than inside the church. And a lot of my experiences with hospitality in China, I mean, those people weren't going to church or anything. So it, I think it can be kind of a culture Um so a culture in a country, but also certain places in the United States are better known for hospitality than others. And I think our families can have a culture of hospitality. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, not only what the Bible says about it, but I think any any sources you consult, you know, even whether they're Christian or not, will say that hospitality can only help communities to be strengthened. Mm. Um, and it can only help people to feel less lonely and less isolated. Um, so, so yeah, so I feel like it's, you know, it's clear reading the Bible that this, this is something that's important, but I think you, you could, you know, pull any non-Christian and they would admit that the same thing is true. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and there's lots of resources out there that talk about the, the value of hospitality and the value of community in not just um, helping us feel less lonely, but even like letting us, helping us to live longer. Um, mm. 
and like it, it really imp- it, it imp- impacts our like our longevity, which I thought was fascinating as I studied. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's a, a book that I don't know if you've read this book or not, but it's literally called Loneliness, and it is mm-hmm. by two authors that I uh, was going to jot down in these show notes, but I forgot to. Yep. Um, but I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it kind of unpacks from a scientific perspective all of that that you're talking about in terms yep. of kind of our our physical health and emotional health and all those things like it's a whole book around mm-hmm. that idea of loneliness and the way that that impacts kind of our whole lifespan and everything like that yep. which ends up being really fascinating if you're you know someone who says community is important things like that mm-hmm. so the subtitle of this book obviously is the power of hospitality in an age of loneliness mm-hmm. and that the last part of that right in age of loneliness obviously kind of indicates that we are kind of in a uniquely lonely position at the moment. I mean, can you talk Mm -hmm. some about that? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of what led me to write this as well, is I kept coming across these articles um, that were describing our society today as um, being so lonely as for it to be an epidemic. And, and so, you know, the more that you kind of start researching that, I mean, it, I think anybody, whether you research it or not, I think most people would admit that that's true um, just uh, from living life. But but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, there's obviously a lot out there about our phones and, you know, how we're so connected, but also so disconnected from one another. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I, I've kind of gone through some of that struggle, too, that I think a lot of people are going through of like, okay how much time should I spend on my phone? Is it really helping my relationships? You know, I've, I've struggled with, you know, putting blocks on there or passwords or, you know, just cause I realized it, it's impacting my daily relationships mm. and like with my kids and my, and my husband and, you know, and I, I don't want that to be. And so, yeah, there's a lot out there that connects this loneliness to the rise of the, the smartphone, like, you know, starting around 2012 is when it tipped to more than 50% of our population owning a smartphone. And then they also have found that that's when, you know, the suicide rates began, especially for teenagers, began to, you know, raise and people reported feeling more isolated and more lonely. Um, so, and yet, and I don't think any of us want to, you know, none of us like really want to go back to not having a smartphone. So I yeah. feel like we're at that stage of like, okay, well, what's the balance? How do we, how do we figure out how to be with people face to face and, you know, be present with them, but also have this computer in our pocket that helps us in so many ways, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I go into that a little bit in my book, but because I, I feel like I'm still on that journey of like trying to figure it out myself. But um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. I love that you're touching on that here. I love that, you know, you, you touch on that in the book too. Mm-hmm. Um, just recognizing that I think that that is a shared struggle that many, many of us um, face. I know Robert and I have talked a little bit about, you know, social media and use of phones and the ways mm-hmm. in which they're, you know, we, we both, I mean, we both see the ways in which they can be very good. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I think I've been a little bit more honest in this space about how I've had to 
get off of all social media for certain seasons and completely unplug in order to plug in more intentionally with the people that are directly in front of me Um, and just how important that is, but how difficult discerning those seasons are and, and trying to find the balance between them. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate you being so honest kind Mm -hmm. of about that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and and recognizing it's like a it's a never ending like lifelong. I mean, I'd like to think one day it'll I won't work, struggle with this, but I think for a lot of us, you know, it is st- a constant trying to discern and figure out. So yeah, yeah, and I can't see it getting better. You know, right. I That's mean, right. <laughs> I doubt we're going to yeah. go backwards with our technology. Right. So right, yeah, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you touched some on kind of the cultural aspects, uh, and you uh, reference this, it's super interesting, right? The individualism, individualism index, Mm -hmm. easy for me to say. Uh, And I thought that would be really interesting. So I looked up the scores for where most of our audience comes from right Mm -hmm. now. Most of our audience lives in the United States, and the individualism index score is 91, obviously pretty high. Second is Canada for our audience that there's is 80 and then we have the UK which is 89 and things like that Mm -hmm. so how does because I think a lot of us want to think okay kind of our our churches and whatnot our faith communities kind of are insulated from culture right we think about kind of like countercultural but Mm -hmm. I think obviously like we kind of have to recognize they are products of the people that start them and lead them and you Mm -hmm. talk some about you know, individualism being, I think you call it the silent lethal undertow, luring the North American church away from the shore of genuine community. Mm -hmm. Can you talk some about kind of the cultural aspects and things like that? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that really struck me is when I moved to China and I attended one of the churches um, that I was allowed to attend, because a lot of times, a lot of the churches I couldn't um, attend legally. And it really struck me because the church, it looked like what I imagined the church might have looked like in probably the 1950s in the United States. Um, You know, people like depending on the church, I suppose. But, you know, people were wearing choir robes and they sang these traditional hymns that we, you know, sing in a lot of our churches um, still. But, you know, I think probably 50 years ago they were more popular. and. it just really fascinated me to see that this church in China of all Chinese people, and it just looked so much like the West. And, um, you know, I just, I, we studied a lot about that in our missions classes and in like intercultural studies classes about what, um, you know, how missionaries are like the best ways to present, um, the message of God and stuff like that. But, um, but I just thought it was so fascinating to see that. And then, you know, you look here in the West and um, I think we often don't realize that we have a culture until we're out of our culture. And, um, Mm. you know, like I, at least I didn't notice anything about my culture until I, you know, I was like, Oh, I don't have a culture. And then if you spend any time in a different culture than what you're used to, you suddenly are like, oh, wait, like I do have a culture. We do do things a certain way. Yeah. And so mm. um, and so I, I found that to be true. And, and now that I've you know studied a lot more about different cultures and the, the ways that 
different people communicate and like indirectly versus directly. And then this kind of individualism versus collectivism, which is what China is more of. Um, it's hard not to see it now in our in in the United States. And um, yeah, I have a story at the very beginning of my book of visiting one of you know, the 18 churches that we visited because we just couldn't couldn't find a place um, to land. And, you know, we visited this church and it was just very um, everything was kind of, you know, you worship on your own. Um, so we're sitting there and, you know, the the pastor preaches and he's got this clock ticking backwards, you know, 30 minutes exactly. So it's like very structured. And um, it had they had the communion in the back, like kind of to the side. And so you just kind of go up and you you just take it by yourself um, whenever you want. Or you could go to this other corner and write out a prayer or, you know, just every the whole way that the service was structured was very individual. You know, it was not collective at all. Like it was, it was very much focused on you do what feels good for you in this very moment. And, um, you know, we ended up not talking to anybody at the service and because people just came in, did their thing and then they left and we just felt so lonely and so disconnected. Um, Mm. and you know, I, I think some of that is okay. It's okay to have, you know, your personal, um, way of worshiping and your personal way of having, you know, a routine or um, your own, you know, your own things. Right? That's okay. But I think that that our churches often do reflect our culture more than they reflect the way that perhaps the Bible intended um, our communal life together to look. Um, so I don't know. So it, it's been interesting to kind of look at the churches and just see even the songs that we sing are very focused on me, I, you know, whereas like mm. a lot of the yous in the Bible were not singular. Like they were, they were, they meant com- the communal you. They were, you know, they they were meant to be plural and we take them as individual. So mm-hmm. I don't know. There's pros and cons. I mean, I'm not saying that we should, we should never be, um, you know, there's, there's great things about being independent. Um, and yet I think that sometimes our churches especially reflect our culture more than they reflect the culture of um, the Bible and the, the mm. you know, what was intended perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Good. that even right there, you, you touched on like, I'm not saying we should always do this or always do that. Right. right? I mean, yeah. One thing that we end up touching a lot on this show, even just when we were talking about the technology thing, right. right. Is that there's no kind of easy, this or that, no. this is black and white or like, right. well, then we should destroy all phones and we'd be fine. Right. Like no. there's never. And so it's always kind yeah. of this like middle right. ground of what, what works, what's healthy, you know, we're all kind of in progress, that type of thing. Oh, That's yes. right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because it would be easy to say, you know, well, let's all just move to China or, you know, an Eastern culture because everything's good. I mean, that's not true either. So but I think that we can learn from each other, you know, so it's like, well, what's working in that culture or with that person who thinks differently than I do? What can I learn from them? What can they learn from me? It's Mm -hmm. more about being like an awareness of the way we do things and then maybe questioning, but why do we do it that way? Um, and is that the best way to do it just because we've always done it that way? Hmm. Gosh, that's yeah. good. Leslie, that's really good. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, um, tied into this sense of individualism, you know, you talk about growing up in a culture of going versus staying. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
which sometimes I feel like the odd one out um, because I know everyone's not like that. I have a lot of friends who mm. just, you know, really did want to stay and that they're like, I hope God never calls me to go anywhere because I really want to stay. And I'm like, I hope God never <laughs> calls me to stay because I want to go. Um, so for me, I'm somebody who always wanted to go overseas or I imagined myself living like a more radical life and all of that. And, um, you know, I ended up back in the States and, you know, I did, I did go overseas, um, for a a short amount of time. It seemed like a long amount of time then, but now it's seeming shorter. And, um, and so I really had to wrestle with that conflict that I have, um, to go and also question my motives, like of why I wanted to go. And if Mm. I, if those motives were even in the right place all the time. And, um, yeah. And I, I've just found now that I've made a commitment to stay where we are right now, we find, we bought a house, uh, two years ago. It's my first time owning a home and I'm, you know, 40 years old now. And Mm. it's, you know, my first time having a garden in my house that I think, you know, not in my house, outside my house. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I can barely keep the indoor plants alive. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. (laughs) Um, But, but it's just, it's like a new way of living, knowing that we're going to probably be here next year. And then we're probably going to be here the year after that. And I've just, I'm just finding that I, like, I interact with my neighbors differently. I, um, I think differently about like the schools that we're choosing and the church and trying to, you know, keep things more local so that we can have, feel like we have a community, you know, like we're not Mm -hmm. driving an hour across town either way and never really having a community right where we live. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, and and I don't, I don't think everyone has to do that, uh, but it's been surprising to me how that has shifted my attitude just like literally buying a place. Um, and also my husband works from home and we had to build like a whole office for him. So we're kind of stuck here because he has this, like, <laughs> we like built Aww. out this part of the garage. Like, uh, anyway, he's a audiobook narrator. So he needed a special like soundproof room. So I'm That's like, awesome. Uh, yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah but I'm like, who's going to want to buy this house because it's got this weird soundproof room in the garage. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think it's, we're even less able to just like quickly get out of town if we want to. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah. And so, and obviously studying, um, about the themes of this, um, I came across the Benedictine monks and, you know, they take this vow of stability and that they're like going to stay at this mon- monastery f- for their whole life. Um, and they do that so that they, they're not tempted to just go move to another monastery to see how that is and to see if that will be better, you know, but making that commitment, I think it really feeds into the depth of their relationships and also my relationships here. So, I mean, that said, I I do have a whole chapter about how it's still worth it to, you know, make friends with people who are moving, like even though, even though you know you're Mm -hmm. moving, you know, I've, I've been that person and I've been thankful for people who, were willing to invest in me, even though they knew I was not there permanently. So there's value to that too, but Mm -hmm. it's just, it does change your mindset when you commit to a neighborhood, a place, 
um, you know, a school district, you know, and you just know you're going to be there. Um, but then you, you know, it also takes that, uh, that extra step of being intentional and being available and, you know, being aware of the people around you. I don't think that always happens naturally. Um, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. It's been interesting for me to, you know, be in this next season where I'm like, I'm here, I'm stuck, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. okay, what am I going to learn in this season of stuckness? Like, but it's, it's not, it doesn't have to be negative. Like it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. So you touched on it for like just a second there, but you write about, you know, when we have conversations like this, sometimes I think it's easy for people to listen and walk away going, okay, I need to go, uh, do an outreach for the poor in my city or like work at a food bank or do all these types of, you know, like things like that. And you write about this experience of starting to kind of go down that trail of, okay, I feel really guilty. I need to be better at welcoming Mm. people. uh, And then having kind of a revelation about the people along the side of your own road, right? Can Mm. you talk a little on that if people are listening and saying, okay, well, I need to, you know, here's now more things that I'm supposed to be doing with my time. Yeah. Yeah. So that... I think just my personality. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram for any of your listeners. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, I think oh. I have a four wing. So, um, but anyway, so it's that feeling, you know, that may be unique to me and my type of achieving and even achieving in my spiritual life. And so, um, yeah, about a year or so ago, I was Googling like, well, let me back up a little bit. So I was, you know, reading more about Jesus and learning about this like idea of hospitality as love of strangers. And I'm like, well, do I know strangers? Like, how can I love them? I I don't, I don't really, you know, know a ton of strangers. I don't know all these, you know, a lot of people who live on the margins. Um, and those are people who Jesus hung out with. So I was feeling guilty. And I, um, so I started kind of Googling around. I was like, maybe I'll, um, you know, volunteer at a prison, you know, and teach a writer's workshop. Or maybe I'll, you know, teach English as a second language because I have experience doing that. Or um, we have a huge homelessness uh, problem in our city. So I was like, well, you know, I can, I'm sure that I can find some way to get involved with um, people who literally live on the margins. And um, one morning I went on a run and I was thinking about all that. And I had just been reading the story of the Good Samaritan, which your listeners are probably familiar with, but quick refresher. Um, it mm. is just when, you know, there is a man, you know, walking to Jericho or on the way to Jericho and he was beaten and robbed left on the side of the road. And, um, a priest came along and crossed the road and didn't stop. And then a religious leader, a Levite came, same thing. He didn't stop. He crossed the road. And then a Samaritan came along, you know, in the, the Samaritans and the Israelites um, didn't always get along, but the Samaritan saw this man and he stopped and he helped him. And as I was on the run, I was just thinking about that story. And I was like, well, you know, like the Samaritan, he was just like walking on the road, you know, on the way to Jericho. He wasn't like looking for this man necessarily. And yet Mm. here he was. And like in that moment, I kind of felt like this voice, I don't know if it was God or I don't know, an impression, but it was kind of like a voice saying to me, um, stay on your Jericho road, Leslie, stop veering over onto everyone else's roads. And, Mm. you know, that idea that like, you know, my road right now is pretty narrow because I like I have three small children 
And I don't actually have a lot of extra time. At the time that the story happened, I was writing a book. And, um, and so I didn't actually have a lot of time to be going to a prison every week to teach a writer's workshop. And yet, um, I felt like, you know, I just needed to be reminded that there were people on the road that I walk every day that I maybe wasn't even noticing. And suddenly mm. I remembered this woman that I, you know, had been hanging out with, after, you know, as I went to pick up my son from preschool and she was a single mom with five kids. And, you know, she had just been telling me that, you know, she was having a hard time finding a place for her youngest child to go while she, you know, drove her older ones around. And it did not even cross my mind to like offer to help her. Like I was so busy Googling around all the places I could help and all the strangers I could find <laughs> to love, you know, I didn't even notice this person yeah. that was on this yeah. road that I walk every day on my Jericho road. And, um, yeah. And so the next time I saw her, I, you know, I was like, well, what we would love to help out. And, you know, like that, it just, it made me realize like how many people are, are on this road at, that I'm not even noticing. You know, mm. like how many neighbors, how many, um, you know, other moms that are at like school pickup or, um, you know, we, mm -hmm. we're we not like a soccer family, but like, I'm sure a lot of people spend time on, you know, the side of the soccer field, like that's a Jericho road. So I think that mm. a lot of times we kind of go veering around thinking like, oh, we got to go find people to serve and love. And it's like, well, I think we should start with where we are <laughs> and just look there um, mm. because maybe we're not even noticing the people that God is already bringing for us to love. So, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that mm. is really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. And it, it blends into this chunk of the book where you talked about kind of overscheduling, right? Like yeah. we schedule thing after thing after thing and, mm -hmm. you know, but leaving that space for like slowing down and instead of viewing time as our treasure, yeah. viewing relationships as our treasure, right? Like what, yeah. what's happening with the people around me yep. instead of, okay, can I stick another thing in my schedule that I have to run to from this and that? And yep. no, it's so good. Yeah. That is really yeah, good. lately, this is not in the book, but lately I've been thinking about my time. It's related um, as kind of like holding um, cards, like playing a card game. And it's the kind of card game, you know, where you if you pick up a card, you have to put down a card, you have to discard. So I've been thinking yeah. lately, like, okay, well, if I pick up, you know, ballet lessons for my daughter, I have to put down mm -hmm. a card. And what's the card that I'm putting down? Usually, mm -hmm. it's um, and this really happened. Like, so we picked up ballet lessons and I suddenly was like, oh wait, we can't like, my kids can't ride their bikes down the street and I'm not going to be talking to any neighbors. So we put that card down. Fortunately, my daughter quit ballet like after one lesson because <laughs> she hated the tights. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we have a limited amount of time. And so I think for every activity we add, usually we're sacrificing time with people. Like we're usually sacrificing, yeah, free time in our schedule to just chat with a neighbor or chat with someone yeah. we see at the grocery store. Like instead we like run away from them because we are like, I don't have time. I don't have time. to. Be, and I, I'm so guilty of this. Like I've seen people before and been like, I just don't have time to talk to that per person for 15 minutes right now, you know, mm, but that's yeah. a sacrifice. Yeah. Like when you pick up the busyness, you put down the relationships. Yeah. yeah uh, I was oh. going to say we had Courtney Ellis on the show. Oh, I loved a couple her book. Back. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. And yes. so she talks about, you know, every yes is also a no yep. to something else, right. particularly in scheduling. And it's 
I like the the card game metaphor as well there. Yeah. 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 That's good. Yeah. Well, and it makes me, it makes me think back to when Robert and I, so each summer we take off of the show completely and we did a whole episode on this too um, in May, just in recognizing that, you know, we have to set some things down in order to pick up the other things. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, you know, and we have to set down this podcast each summer just to be able to turn our attention and breathe and be and, yep. um, and it's, I love that just how much that resonates with um with what you're talking about here yeah so that's beautiful yeah well um you 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 mentioned a little bit earlier that hospitality isn't necessarily a spiritual gift given to a few but it's really a command for everyone um what would you say to someone who might be saying like well but I'm not really good at that I'm not very good at hospitality (laughs) yeah I mean I think what I mainly wanted to do in my book was to alleviate any anxiety surrounding hospitality. Um, And I didn't want, the last thing I wanted to do was add on this extra like should to people's lives. Cause I think that we all carry around so much Mm -hmm. guilt and shame as it is. Um, And and yet hospitality, you know, if we reframe it, I think that we can all practice it. Um, Like, so my husband is an introvert and I'm an extrovert, more of an extrovert. And and yet he still longs for these deep rela- relationships and deep connections with people. But I think it just looks different for him than it might for somebody else like me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just recognizing that it's something we can all do, but 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 it's okay to do it the way we feel comfortable doing it. Um, well, that said, it will take us out of our comfort zone. So I think, yeah, you know, I was gonna ask. yeah, I mean, you have, it, it's a balance. So I, I think, um, like, especially when I've talked to some of my introverted friends, like, they're like, oh, I dread it. I feel so anxious. And then when I've talked to them, you know, about how they feel during and after they, they never regret it. I mean, they always say it was worth it. And they loved it. So I think it's just ignoring the we're not ignoring, but like working through the beginning anxiety and just knowing that it's going to be so worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I also have been telling people to just follow their passions and their interests and to invite people along in what they're already doing. You know, it's not if you don't like cooking or hosting people in your home, like maybe you like hiking, like go on a hike and invite somebody to go with you. Um, so it doesn't always have to be in your home. Like my my neighbor. I am like taking notes on how he does hospitality because he, and he just sits out in his driveway and he keeps a keg in his um, garage and I walk by his house and he says, want a beer? (laughs) Want a beer? Amazing. (laughs) That's awesome. um, Just this past week, he put a TV in his garage and a bunch of people were just sitting watching a football game in his garage yesterday. Oh, that's so fun. And I I was thinking like his home is so much nicer and more comfortable, but it's just, it's more pressure, you know, it's more pressure on him. It's more pressure on the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like they feel so much more comfortable just meeting in between and just hanging out in his garage, you know? So I, I love that. Yeah, That's awesome. So I think it just means getting a little creative and like tuning into like, well, what, what do I like doing and how could I, you know, maybe push myself to go, I'm going to have to invite somebody and that takes me out of my comfort zone. But like, you know, just knowing other people are lonely too, and they mostly just want to be invited. And, um, you know, I don't, it doesn't, I don't have to do something that's so out of my, um, I don't know, the realm of what I like doing to um, have, to show hospitality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, one, one thing that we like to ask authors when they come on the show is, um, you know, they just pour so much into the work that they do into writing these books. And so I'm really curious, like what, what is your hope for invited? Um, well, my hope is to, you know, I hope that it will spread. Um, and cause I think that this message really could transform churches and neighborhoods and communities. Um, I mean, if each of us just looked for ways to love even one person and or to invite more than one person into our life, uh, I think that could really transform our, our society. And so, you know, if anything, I feel like this book is one of many books, like adding to this conversation about our loneliness and our desire for deep connections with each other. So I just hope it'll prompt conversations and maybe inspire people that hospitality is not so out of reach and it's a lot easier than Mm. we imagine. Mm, That's good. That's That's beautiful. Hey, if you want to connect with Leslie, you can follow her on Twitter at Leslie underscore Werner on Facebook, Leslie Werner on Instagram, scraping underscore raisins on Pinterest or at scrapingraisins.com. Or you can buy this book anywhere you buy books. We'll have links to all that in the show notes, obviously. You can connect with Holly at hollyoxhandler.com or on Twitter at hollyoxhandler. You can connect with me on any social media at robertvore or at robert-vore.com. We'll have, again, links to everything in the show notes. But Leslie, thank you so much for yes. joining us. Thank you before so much for we, having me. <laughs> yeah, before yeah. we stop the recording here, any kind of closing words for our listener today? No, I mean, I think I just, um, you know, I guess I would just challenge people to invite, um, you know, and just send a text message and worry about all the details later. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And I will say I one thing that. that I forgot to mention that I wanted to give a shout out to at the end of this book, there's a, a handful of pages that are just bullet point ideas on inviting mm-hmm. for, you know, as a guest or as a community, as a church, you know, anything like that. So uh, I would definitely recommend checking that out. Mm. Leslie, thank you so much yes. for joining us. I, really, people go read this book. It's yes. fantastic. So um, good. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you guys so much. It was yeah. great to talk Thanks. to you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHPodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.